Next week, Ms. Etta, Arietta Ward, will be here in the Artichoke Cafe with me to tell us about her European tour. The week after, composer-pianist Carrie Pollitzer about her new album, You'll Like Him. Today, Jeremy Wilson, who you know as an Oregon Music Hall of Fame inductee for his long career, which of course includes the Dharma Bums. He's also known for starting the Jeremy Wilson Foundation, which gives money to people in the music industry who are in need. It's a great service, which has lent a hand to many of our finest musicians. Find out about it and the annual upcoming benefit concerts, The Next Waltz. Jeremy Wilson. orange light has stopped flashing. You know what that means? What does that mean there, it Tom? It means that we're recording. I love that when the recording yes. starts. Don't, me too. <laughs> Nothing like it. Let's, can I count us in? What? Can I count us in? Sure. One, two, three, four. <laughs> 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 do you, you know, how do you, I, before we get, get yeah, into, the, how do you separate your life as a head of the Jeremy Wilson Foundation from your life as a rocker? Man, the Jeremy Wilson Foundation has just absolutely bludgeoned my rock career because oh. of how much time it's taken yeah. over the last 13 years to be uh, dedicated day in and day out uh, to to a nonprofit yeah. that started with $350. Wow. You know, um, I feel very connected still as a musician mm -hmm. you know i have my recording studio and i write music and stuff but i'm not gonna lie i often put in anywhere from eight to 15 hours a day on the foundation wow and that that leaves very little mental space to yeah that that i'm a i'm a writer i'm a songwriter mm -hmm. right so in songwriting I always say is all about space and time. Yeah, you got to be by yourself. <laughs> you got to have some space and time yeah. to be with yourself. Get all the bad songs out for that first few <laughs> days, and and then start tapping into where where yeah. you want to go with the yeah. writing. At least yeah. that's been my process. Yeah. And um, I am working on a record as we speak, but that's it's great. the slowest. It's the slowest process I've ever done on a record, and it's and I am gonna. I'm going to blame it on the foundation. Good I idea. <laughs> now, what better way? I mean, what, 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 and you just had that, you had that song this year with, uh, about the Greta Thunberg. Oh yes. I did release a song uh, yeah. a, a few months ago. Yeah. Into the wild. I, uh -huh. you know, I've been watching Greta Thunberg's mm -hmm. um, uh, activism for all these years. And I just, I can't believe this. Starting at a, as a fourteen-year-old kid or whenever she started speaking out, yeah, you know, that she was more concise and pro, you know, and and um, inf uh, informative than any grown-up politicians and uh -huh. stuff. And she just moved me so much that I, I yeah. needed to write a song yeah. that was not only to her but kind of hopefully to the younger generation that uh -huh. says, you know, you may look up at us, all of us old farts, and think that we're all against you and against the climate and all that stuff but you know us gen xers for one yeah we are activists from you know right. right down to the bone right you know and and that i really wanted to say you know don't count us out we're here for you too awesome. you know awesome. that was the song yeah hey listen when we're whenever we're done with this because yeah. we don't have a it's open-ended you know mm -hmm. um uh let's let's go let's go out on that song 
Oh, beautiful. All right. I would love that. Good. Okay. All right. So let's, let's, we're going to be talking about uh, the next Waltz show. But first, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's, it is the Jeremy Wilson Foundation Musician and Health Services Program. Yes. Okay. All right. <laughs> Does that take some like pressure off of you because of your name? You know, you know, I mean, I know, I know that sometimes you, you, you know, you're, you're branding it as, as JWF. Yeah. But it should have your name. Well, thank you, Tom. You know, 13 plus years ago when I was recovering from my first heart surgery mm-hmm. and, and stuff, and the idea of the Jeremy Wilson Foundation came around, uh, I did come up with the idea. We should have a nonprofit where musicians yeah. can help musicians, basically, yeah. and let's have a place where we can have uh, an umbrella mm-hmm. that allows a fund to exist, and then we can utilize that fund to, to help during medical crises right so my initial idea was to call it the northwest music fund right you know but when as i started to open up the idea to friends and and different people and supporters and fans they're like why aren't you should call the jeremy wilson foundation why not i mean take advantage of the people who know you well that's exactly what they're right what they were saying and i i finally gave into that and i gotta tell you it was kind of a brilliant thing to do on the on everybody else's behalf because it really did put me on the hook to make this organization have as much integrity as humanly possible and if it's going to have my name on it then boy i'm going to be vigilant and i'm telling you i have not been off the you know i have not been off the job for a second being vigilant about how we are uh, how we are growing, how we're community-based, our transparency. I've got, you know, I've built a board of directors, a dream team mm-hmm. of board of directors, mm-hmm. and I just, I've never felt so confident and proud of something in my life as the Jeremy Wilson well, Foundation you should at this be. point. Now, here's the thing. Uh, over the past year mm-hmm. or so, or yeah. more, more than that, but uh, I've been dealing with a back issue. I know you. And I have never talked about it uh, on the podcast because who cares? You know what I'm saying? It's a podcast and it's, it's, a, it's, it's a product. It should be entertaining. Who cares about me? But while I've got you here, the foundation has helped me out a couple of times through some really rough patches, especially right now when I've, I've got a, care, a caregiver problem. Not a problem because I have a, a fabulous caregiver, yeah. but it's, you know, I have to, have to pay him out of pocket. And uh, you've helped me a couple of times, the okay. foundation. Yeah. And I just want to thank you. Well, I got to write some, sitting right across from you, face to face, and I just, I'm, I have, I have tremendous gratitude for your help. Well, you're welcome, Tom. And you know, um, I'm glad that you utilizing our services, and you're mm-hmm. aware of us. And mm-hmm. thank you for talking about us. Thank you for letting people know that you've been a recipient. Mm-hmm. You know, um, we're trying really hard to make it a, um, uh, as I mean. We have so many rules that we have to follow yeah. because of the IRS, right? Mm-hmm. And and we're just trying to do good things for our community, but we have to keep it grant based. And so mm-hmm. there's going to be bureaucracy sure. even with us. Sure. But we've really, from our hearts, everybody that works, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, on the foundation, all the volunteers and the social workers and everybody. Um, their hearts are in it. And, oh, believe you know, me, I know yeah. that because you know I've had to deal with that, yeah. and uh, it's not like I have to deal with it. But in, in my communications with you, with your people, they've always been helpful yeah. and friendly, Great. and uh, it's it's a, it's a wonderful thing. Well, Tom, help us spread the word that when musicians are in need. So if you're a fan that wants to help a musician, or if you're a musician in need, 
don't just first go to GoFundMe, okay? Yeah. Call the, you know, email the JWF, the Jeremy Wilson Foundation, thejwf.org. Email us there at our apply for, in our apply form because mm-hmm. we think it's a really major thing to ask the community to give money, give money, give sure. money all the time, right? Sure. What if you're in a position that you can apply to us, you can talk to our navigators who are social workers, mm-hmm. right? And then determine if there's a, some immediate cash that we might be able to help out mm-hmm. with, you know, for mm-hmm. rent or something to help you kind of buy some time yeah. to then figure out what the medical bills are through financial aid and mm-hmm. different things that we can help with. Yeah. So the, you know, maybe $1,500 comes from the foundation immediately to help with that process and get through a process, you right. know, without having to ask the public for right. $30,000 or yes. $50,000, right. which then just gets thrown at these absorbent medical bills right. and things. So right. anyway, right. I just, I think there's so many reasons I could have a whole podcast where we talk just about <laughs> why the foundation's um, grants and services, services, yeah. right? That navigation component, mm-hmm. that potential, um, what we call an artist relief campaign, which mm-hmm. if you are in a very serious situation, we had a, someone recently last year that uh, had, you know, a year plus of chemotherapy and that whole mm-hmm. p- process. Mm-hmm. So obviously $1,500 and even local state aid and things weren't going to help. So then we can jump into in those type of situations, mm-hmm. we can jump into a situation and do mm-hmm. our own style of GoFundMe campaigning. But mm-hmm. we do it right through our own websites, all with mm-hmm. the nonprofit discounts mm-hmm. and, and donations being tax deductible and the whole nine yards that mm-hmm. helps everybody out. And then if there's money left over from that fund, what happens? It goes towards the grants and services for the Got, next person. Gotcha. Right. So gotcha. it's just it's such a, a, yeah. a full circle. Yeah. How is your health? My health is okay, other than this crazy crooked finger I oh, have geez. right now, and um, I'm um, working on my diet after three years of uh, of being in COVID with everybody yeah, and yeah. gaining a lot yeah. of weight. Yes, and at my age, that's not a good thing to do. So right. I'm um, right. I'm I'm working on uh, bringing my you know getting my pre-diabetic situation into a not pre-diabetic situation. I understand. You know? I understand. You yeah. know, you miss a lot of uh, stuff that you like to eat. <laughs> I know. You know, <laughs> I have to admit, though, I grew up kind of a hippie kid with a lot of whole foods and stuff. And at the mm-hmm. end of the day, once I start eating properly, I actually enjoy it a lot better. And uh-huh. I just remind myself right. that, you know, right. <laughs> why the heck am I eating ice cream at, at 10 o'clock at night? You know, I don't need to be doing that. You I know, know, but well, it's, it's, we know why. You know, we, don't we know why, the answer right. to that. That's <laughs> well, easy. That, yeah. That's an easy answer because it's really good. It's really good. Yeah. <laughs> What'd you do to your finger? Um... I was wearing my wedding ring, and I was doing lots and lots of shoveling and hammering and construction work, Mm -hmm. and it created this big cartilage buildup in there, and it needs, in December, I go in, and and they're going to check it out, and I'm going to get an operation on it. Uh, and uh, uh, try uh. to straighten it back out, but oh, man. thank thank goodness it's bent in the in the proper direction, so I can still play can the still guitar. Play. But I can't, wow. can't. I couldn't do a push up or anything like that. I can't do yeah. the yoga that yeah. I love to do and stuff. Uh, uh. But you still can play. I can still play. That's it, great. It is actually there is a little pain involved now, but yeah. 
I can still play. <laughs> but it, it really is quite the. If you if we, if we weren't just a podcast, you could see that literally my my my, 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 my finger crooked. is completely crooked, it's like crooked. an L shape. Okay, well let's get yeah. to uh, the one of the reasons. I, well, I mean, I, I wanted to have you in here anyway, yeah. but but uh, let's we need to talk about the next waltz. Absolutely, that's a three day event now. November twenty fifth, twenty sixth, and twenty seventh this year at Alberta Rose Theater. Yeah. Our reenactment of the last waltz. That's great. Tenth, tenth year of live performances. That's amazing. <laughs> Isn't that That's amazing? amazing? It's a huge lineup. Oh my God! I know. Wow. I mean, everybody's a star in this in this yeah. thing. Yeah. You've got Ru- Ruby Friedman and John Averill and Big E, Sarah Clark, Sarah Zach Clark. Yeah, oh, Sarah Clark. She is. <laughs> she's become a good friend too. She's really uh-huh. amazing. I've had her in here. Zach Borden, AC Sapphire, mm-hmm. Andrea Vidal. Christopher Wirth, Steve Karen, our superstar Steve Karen, yep. helps lead the band. Kate and Steve, I see Kate yeah, and Steve there. Yeah, we've got Steve Einhorn and Kate yeah. Powers with yeah. us this year, and got Man. Norman Sylvester's returning, uh-huh. uh, Jenny Lee Conley. Uh, Wanderly, of course. Oh my God, Wanderly's there. Jim is such a star. I, I mean, I love, I love every. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love his partner too, but, but uh, you know, he he had such an amazing role in keeping the venues open oh my god jim brunberg is an yeah. amazing yes force yes. of nature yep um also got uh LaRonda Steele and louis longmire of course uh-huh uh it's just it's a it's a bad ass lineup and so i like calling it's a, it's a barn burner is what yeah. i call it so LaRonda's doing the mavis yeah mm-hmm. she's doing the weight yeah she, I've sung it with her before. It is really? about the funnest thing in the world is being on stage with Lularonda. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, she is a big-hearted, wonderful yeah. person. And of course, I love playing the the, the Mavis Staples version on on uh, on my radio oh, show. Heck yeah, man. Yeah. yeah, 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 I, I, I'm just I'm ecstatic. It's been two and a half. It's I mean this will be, yeah. It's been uh, we missed two years of live performances of it we did do we had been filming it for the last nine the nine years earlier and so uh, last winter we were able to do an actual kind of greatest hits uh-huh. from, uh, online and we still were able to raise a few thousand dollars for the foundation and yeah. stuff and alberta rose yeah. theater uh spearheaded that uh-huh. and stuff yeah uh-huh. this is just amazing i can't believe that jeff rosenberg called me up um probably 14 years ago or 13 years ago wow. and said hey i got this idea what do you think you know and <laughs> i'm like let's do it jeff you know and then he got hold of adam east and joe over there uh-huh. at, at uh uh-huh. at the uh, alberta rose theater uh-huh. and it's been a staple of the jeremy wilson foundation's you oh, know sure. yearly yeah. um you know it's it's interesting because what part of our ethos for the foundation is to pay musicians when they play music <laughs> right mm-hmm. so the the overhead for the show is actually quite high because we're paying the musicians and then the the you know the the i think it's only like 30 dollars or something to come see this show i mean yeah. this is a show yeah this should have a three time i mean could have a three times as sure high ticket it price deserves it. it absolutely so it really is not the biggest fundraiser in the world for us, but uh-huh. what it is is it is an opportunity 
for us to constantly be a part of the heart of, of, of Portland. Yes. To get in front of people that may not know about the foundation and to, to fundraise while we're there and uh-huh. get donations. This year we're really, really hoping that people will get the message that, that we're trying to get 222 people in the next three months uh-huh. to sign up for a subscription. Yeah. To donation for so a monthly subscription just like opb would do or something yes. you know starting at maybe 10 bucks 15 bucks 20 mm-hmm. bucks a month mm-hmm. you know and there's just so many be- you know reasons you can justify doing this yeah. you know one people do not understand or realize that musicians are independent contractors you right. know and that's a real weight that is a real thing yeah. there is no such thing as a minimum wage for a, a musician or an artist, right? No, because so, the wages haven't changed in about 30 years. haven't changed in 30 years. Every single performance is a negotiation, you know, and all kinds of ideas. So yeah. I think when the fans kind of understand the, the, the life of the average working musician, right, you know, yeah. I think that they can feel okay <laughs> about putting 10 bucks a month towards a safety net Mm-hmm. That is set up for Oregon and Clark County, Washington mm-hmm. musicians. They can say, you know what? <laughs> I was at that bar and bought sixty dollars worth of alcohol and bought a, you know, yeah. blah blah blah. You know, yeah. I think yeah. ten, twenty bucks a month going towards these entertainers, right. Who truly use our our services? Oh, sure. You know, sure. And um, our robust services, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. So you get to sing "I Shall Be Released." Uh. Yes. What is that like singing that chorus? It must be <laughs> such an emotional thing for you. I know you're working, but still, there's it's, so much emotion in that chorus. And when you've got 30 other musicians singing it with you, Woo-hoo. and then oftentimes the whole crowd standing up and singing Woo-hoo. it with you, and I get Woo-hoo. to be in the spotlight right there leading the whole charge, Man. it is a rush. It's, 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 I mean, by the Sunday night when we're doing it, by uh-huh. the Sunday night, it's a release, truly. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, I, over the years, I've become more and more connected with the story of the song. And, uh-huh. and, and what is the story? Well, the story is a guy sitting on death row, yeah. you know, yeah. and, yeah. and how he got there and how he remembers uh-huh. every face of every man that put him there. Yeah. And how, yeah. you know, he is, has a sense of floating above the walls of uh-huh. the penitentiary and, uh-huh. and, you know, and and all of the pain and the suffering of the people that, you know, I also think it's about maybe somebody that was potentially falsely charged, which uh-huh. has happened hundreds of times, if not thousands of times, yeah. you know, yeah. in history. And so it's a powerful, it's a powerful song about yeah. be, transcending your situation, I think, you yeah. know, and I mean, yeah. it's a pretty heavy, I shall be released, yeah. I shall die, yeah. I, my, yeah. my spirit will fly, you know. But it's also, I think, metaphor is is yes. is to to live uh, at least the, at least the way I kind of take it is 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 to live in a more of a transcendent state, you right? Know, and right. to transcend especially, your, and, your and especially if you've had um, any life threatening things happen to <laughs> yeah. you. you know? <laughs> Tom, nothing makes things get more real oh, than yeah. once you've seen the yes. <laughs> seen the darkness at it's the end of the tunnel. True. There, <laughs> very true. It's very true. Jeez, uh, you know, I actually, I mean, this is going to be a very weird thing to say, uh-huh. because you don't truly want people to experience bad things and stuff. Right. right. But it was talk about transformation. 
when I ended up in the hospital, was mm-hmm. diagnosed with a congenital heart condition that I right. should have known about since I was a kid, you uh, know, and didn't uh-huh. find out about till I was 40 years old because yeah. of my lack of access to health care. Right. You know, um, and I, you know, had a near death experience. And when the community came around me and said, oh, we want to help you, Jeremy, mm-hmm. which is the origins of the foundation. Yeah. I mean... I remember being at the Doug Fur and and people were throwing a benefit for me and it mm-hmm. was a line of 200 people there to each give me a hug. Mm-hmm. I'm telling you, by the time I got those 200 hugs or 400 hugs or whatever I got, yeah. I was a changed person. Yep. Yep, I yep. was a changed person. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, I mean, every time I've had to go under yeah. anesthesia, it's like, okay, am I going to wake up from this? I had a heart procedure. <laughs> Oh man! A couple years ago, yeah, it was a call it cardio version, mm. and so you know they sort of put me under, and I came out, and everything was fine. You know, and I could feel the difference. It was you know, it wasn't a stent or anything. It was just, and I, then they said, then they told me <laughs> that uh, you know we stopped your heart and started it up again. I went, oh, I'm glad you told me because nobody told me that. Oh my goodness! <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I've gone, under, I've gone under too many times now yeah. to feel comfortable about it. No, yeah. no, no. <laughs> you know, one time I had to have part of a uh, of my, um, what's the name, uh, thing here. Uh, I had to have something removed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, uh, and Thyroid? And thyroid. Yeah. Had half a thyroid out. So, and then the same thing um, happened to somebody else. Um, anyway, the point is, they said before they took me up. They went, you know, we ha- we have to be near your your larynx. Mm. I'm going like, oh really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So they do that. I'm under. They do. I'm starting to come out, and I'm in recovery. And I'm just starting to wake up, and I go, check one, two, three, four, <laughs> <laughs> and everybody there cracked up. <laughs> yeah. Just I just needed to find out. Right. You know, right. If if they if they miss. Ooh, or check, or check, check, close. my vote, me, yeah. me, 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 <laughs> right on, yeah, wow. When did you start writing, writing songs? Oh my goodness, thank you for asking me about my music. Um, well, yeah. <laughs> you know, I started writing at a very young age. Mm-hmm. I, I um, started taking my, I started fiddling around on instruments at the young age of five. Wow, did you time. have a hero by then? I already was in love with Pete Townsend and The Who wow. and um, and many others, actually. Cat Stevens and Bob uh-huh, Dylan. And uh-huh. I grew up with some great music in my house. Yeah. Um, but I started actually writing songs when I was probably about 12, 13. Jeez. And because by the time I was 14, I had a working band. Uh, what was it called? called? The Watchmen. And, uh, <laughs> that three, sounds, that yeah. sounds like the, what Spinal Tap used to be called. Yeah, we, we wanted to be called the Sojourn Watchmen, which gives you an idea of, of what, you know, but we were the Watchmen, and it's actually three of us that became the Dharma Bums were in the Watchmen when uh-huh. I was 14, 15 years old. We knew about 250 songs. We did mostly covers, but we had about 30 or 40 originals. Did you have a favorite cover? Oh, my God. Um, Probably. I mean, at the time, you know, it, it ranged everywhere from, you know, back in the USSR to maybe, you know, uh, um, you know, um, 
uh, what's the what's the, fa- the the famous Clash song that should I stay or should I go? Uh-huh. You know, I mean, we did Elvis Costello and the uh-huh. Smithereens, and we did the Smithereens. Yeah, we I did. used to hang out those guys oh, back right. back east. Yeah, we did. They were they were they yeah. backed up Otis Blackwell for a while. <laughs> oh wow, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I cool. used to hang I used to hang with Otis Blackwell a lot. Oh, that's so and, cool. Uh, who was a, just the coolest guy? He was the coolest. This is little guy from little black man from Brooklyn, New yeah. York. Uh, who wrote all those Elvis songs? Yeah, all yeah. shook up and don't be cruel. And, and we used to do like Elvis Costello songs, and yeah. we, and we did Elvis songs. I mean, we did it all. Uh-huh, I mean, uh-huh. and we got to be real favorite in the Willamette Valley. You yeah, know, we would play everything from high school dances to opening up for older bands at bars and stuff. You know, I remember <laughs> standing in many a walk-in freezer and things like that when we'd be quote unquote backstage. You know, and stuff. But I'd, a frozen green room. You know, but by the time I was um, 16, I had a band called Perfect Circle that John Moen, who's now the, the drummer for the Decemberists, when we were 16, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and then he became the Dharma Bums drummer. But yeah. he and I had a band uh, with a couple other guys, um, Rick and Patrick, called Perfect Circle. And then that, uh-huh. that, that was my first all-originals band, and we were uh-huh. very, very influenced by R.E.M. and the Birds uh-huh. and, and the uh-huh. whole... Of the early, the early and mid '80s, you know, underground college music, uh-huh. and, you know, uh-huh. and even noisy stuff and pretty stuff, you know. Uh-huh. So we were, uh-huh. we we made this really gorgeous music, and then that's when I started when I was 16, started playing up in Portland. We'd come uh-huh. up here, we had a van and stuff, and we were very industrious. Well, I grew up in Scotts Mills, Oregon, which is by Silverton. Gotcha. And then Silverton is by Salem. So, I love Silverton. Yeah, because of the dog. What dog? The dog they have like murals and oh, statues yeah. oh, to. Right. The dog yes. that ran away, that was taken away and <laughs> came back from Indiana. Oh and my God. It's a great story. The, the town is full of it's memorials f- to this dog. To the dog, and, yeah. and then of course Homer Davenport, who yes. was, like who made it into my songs. It's the Dharma Bomb <laughs> stuff. He just Homer Davenport just like blew open my imagination and stuff about what it was to be a country boy growing up out in the in the woods and, uh-huh. and stuff and uh-huh. yeah so we got our start playing in the willamette valley and then then started playing in bars in salem uh-huh. oregon when uh-huh. i was very young and um but what was it like was it was it was it, it must have been a pretty big deal to, to start to get gigs in portland was well, it or was it? You know, it was amazing because I saw the Miracle Workers, uh, amazing uh-huh. favorite band of mine of all time, uh, from Portland band, great band that played down in uh, my um, in Salem, and mm-hmm. I was sixteen. And I, Jerry Moore, the lead singer from the Miracle Workers, uh-huh. I went up to him afterwards and said, "You know, you guys are my favorite band, and I've got this band, Perfect Circle." He goes, "Do you have any music?" And he goes. I go, I do, and he goes, and I go, I have a cassette, let's go, and so we went and sat in my car, and he listened wow. to it, and then I gave him the cassette I had, and then about less than a week later, I get a phone call, I had written my number on the cassette case, and I get a phone call, and he goes, Jeremy, I just love this, this Perfect Circle's so cool, they're beautiful, you know, come, I've wow. got this gig at Satyricon, you know, and so I want you guys to come on, up and play, and so... We started play. We played a series of gigs with with them at the Satyricon, and then were you punk enough for Satyricon? Uh, you know, <laughs> I'll never ever forget being a sixteen year old boy and the owner of the club now going. You know, Jeremy, this is George Tulhulio. He goes, Jeremy, you're a good guy. You know, it's like, and you know, where the girls go, the guys follow, <laughs> right? 
you know and and so what you know you can come here anytime you want you know but i don't want to see you drinking the beer no beer and then you know and if you see the cops go out the back door okay like that so so we, <laughs> so we made pretty music and the girls would show up and then the guys started to follow and then they they you know i don't know we yeah we were punk enough we were you know we made noisy music and pretty music I see. you know we made it both <laughs> were we able to play the pretty music at satiricon we were yeah that's good yeah we did that's it good. anyway i was that's yeah. always been my that's what i consider being punk you don't have to make like you know, you know, hardcore music. You yeah. just have to have a hardcore personality, yeah. and 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 the hardcore personality that I had was is that I thought it was more confrontational to do something much more androgynous uh, and much more in your face uh -huh. and and threatening uh -huh. to all the males because I was you know I have a background in ballet and all kinds of stuff and I didn't like to take shit from you know from asshole guys that were gonna like oh, more macho you know it's not macho enough you know I don't I'm not interested in that at all you know <laughs> but I am interested in you know confronting people <laughs> the Dharma bumps had a great yeah. run yeah we did that man was... it was a great do you ever, do you ever think about getting in, getting together for gigs again? well you know we we were getting together from 2010 yeah to about 2000 I don't know when was the last time we played? Maybe in 18 or something? Yeah, yeah. Scott McCoy uh, benefit that we did. And, oh, my God, that was an amazing show with the members yeah. of REM and everybody that yeah, played. Yeah. Um, we are just, it's just, it's uh, John's busy in the Decemberists and uh -huh. I'm busy with the foundation. You know, it's. Uh, it's going to happen again, though, I don't you think? It would be nice. You know what? You know what? I'm, I'm a lot less interested in kind of rehashing our old tunes and stuff. You know, I mean, right. what I kind of wish would happen is that i i wish that we would kind of secretly quietly go into the studio and make yeah. a new album because everybody yeah. i mean eric lovery he is one of the world's greatest guitar players and i'm not even kidding yeah i mean when he played um i mean when he plays like if we go up to seattle and play even to this day like uh -huh. his side of the stage will be like the biggest guitar players of the name generation <laughs> you know kim thale will be there you know yeah. peter buck will yeah. be there yeah. mike mccready i mean like <laughs> all of these like acclaimed guitar players will be yeah. on his side of the stage watching wow. him play i mean that's wow. you know and eric is my mentor my musical mentor you uh -huh. you meant you brought that word up he he took me under my his wing when i was 14 and he was like 16 or 17 and and we formed the watchman and he's he was yeah. my first he was my bodyguard he was my friend wow. he was you know he was he was the man that's great yeah well you're lucky to have that i i i really was so lucky to fall into eric's orbit yeah. you know i had seen yeah. him play when i was a junior high school i uh -huh. went and, and jim tolstra who was the dharma bombs bass player the two of them did like this rockabilly show at uh at a spring fling or something like uh -huh. that or uh -huh. some talent show and i was just like I mean, he was like the embodiment of the Johnny B. Good embodiment, you know. I yeah, mean, he yeah. played this old '60s Mustang. He, uh -huh. he. I mean, it, he was a self-taught prodigy, like piano player and uh -huh. things like that. When he was five and six years old, he taught himself how to play Beatles songs on the piano. Huh. I mean, the guy is huh. nuts. I mean, he's just so talented. Yeah. And then, and then he's an electronics genius too. Like he's got his own amp repair shop called. Um, um, 
amp king down in Salem uh-huh. and stuff, and he's still, he can't stand the city of Portland. He can't stand it. He's just this, <laughs> you know, cantankerous guy. But you know what? He produced all the last John Fahey albums. Yeah. He's recorded yeah. Minus Five. He, you know, his, his, I could go on and on and on about I've Eric been in, I've been in that, in that shop. Oh, isn't that a cool shop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Eric. <laughs> Yeah. I'll never forget the uh, when I was doing organ art beat that they mm-hmm. for, they wouldn't let me do a, a John Fahey tribute after he died. Whoa. It was bizarre. It was bizarre. Now, so he he produced Fahey after Terry Robb, right? Yeah, he because yeah. John was in Salem there, and he was right. friends with Tim Knight and Eric. And, Terry Robb you know, produced a a, a a series of John's albums, and then and then and then they so I guess he, uh, he 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 was after Terry. It must have been, I guess. Yeah, I, I'm, yeah. I, I mean, John Fahey has so many albums out, and <laughs> yes. it's like, which era do you want to like, right. listen I to? Know, and know. you know, I, I still and it's the same guy. The, I it's know. the same guy. <laughs> I know. It's like, I mean, I grew up with that Christmas album. Sure, you know? who I mean, didn't? it's like who didn't, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, yeah, it was a pretty powerful <laughs> thing being Little Wyndham Hill Records, you know, artists yeah. being there in Salem because John Doan, you know him, mm-hmm. he's a, the harp guitar player. Yeah. He gave me um, some of my very first guitar lessons, really? and he said, "You know, Jeremy, you're probably never going to be a classical guitar player because, <laughs> because." But he, but he knew that I wrote my own songs, and uh-huh. so he got me my very first coffee shop gig I ever got in my life wow. because I was again 14, 15 years old or something, and I he said, "Play me some of these." your songs and it was before i or before i put perfect circle together i was uh-huh. writing these songs for uh-huh. perfect circle and he he said play me another one you know i mean <laughs> this was my lessons right and i'm supposed yeah. to be doing classical guitar he's like no right. now play me another and yeah. so i played him song after song and and he said he goes i never want you to stop doing that Dude, don't wow. ever stop writing these songs Jeez. you know and he goes and then like a few weeks later he i think it was like i can't remember what coffee shop it was like but uh-huh. but some it was a small coffee shop in 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 Salem, and he uh-huh. he got me my first gig. <laughs> wow, you know who's a great classical guitar player who has never performed any classical music in Portland is Alan Hager. Oh, Alan Hager, when he was at Berkeley and living in Boston, mm-hmm. made a living transcribing oh, classical yeah. pieces for solo guitar. Wow, yeah. And I don't know if he still does that, but he's yeah. never performed. He moved here and did nothing but blues. Wow. I would give anything to hear Alan Hager play classical music. Wow. He should set up a show here at Artichoke and, I know. and do it. I know. I know. Yeah. <laughs> he does he does such great work with with Curtis. They've yes. become such a great duo. Yeah. In yeah. Fact, just, of course yeah. Curtis always had good Curtis, Curtis had that duo with Terry Robb for a long That's time. That's right. Of course. You know? yeah. I think they were on I think it was the Carson, Johnny Carson show. I don't know. Way back. <laughs> yeah, I believe Ter- it. Terry and Curtis. Yeah, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> Such a rich history of musicians and music here. Oh, you God, know, yeah. From the, yeah. you know, from Louie well, Louie all the way to, you know. I know. When I first moved, I first moved here in 97. Yeah. And I couldn't believe the number of great bass players who were here, <laughs> I mean, especially jazz guys. I mean, yeah. there was uh, Glenn Moore, there was David Friesen, oh, there was David Friesen, uh, yeah. um, um, uh, Leroy Vinegar. Yep. Speaking of bodyguards, <laughs> I did this interview with Les McCann one time, uh-huh. and they used to be next-door neighbors. Of course, they played together forever. Oh, wow. And, 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 and Les was a, a 
biggest wisecracker on earth, and yeah. I'm sure he said the wrong thing many times. Yeah. But he always had Leroy there, who was a big guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and Leroy saved his ass on several occasions, he told me. You know, it's really <laughs> unfortunate how, I mean, my best friend who passed away just a couple years ago, my buddy Mark, uh-huh. he, he toured with me all over the country, and um, starting all the way back from when we were sophomores in high school, he literally, we jokingly called him my bodyguard. But I just, what I'm trying to say, and it's not about like, because girls are going crazy. I'm, I'm talking right. because, right. you know, I'm talking because it's a rough and tumble world out there, especially oh, back yeah. in the friggin' 80s and 90s oh, and touring yeah. and stuff. Yeah. It, it might as well have been the 1960s or 70s right. being a freak going around the country, <laughs> you know, and you just, you know, it was, it was always like, it's very helpful in rock and roll to have at least one guy that towers <laughs> and is giant, you know. And I, I have stories, I have several amazing stories of, of him uh, defending me or helping me. Because yeah, you never you know. know what, what drugs the audience are on. Well, well, I it mean, could be every anything. Every time I ever had an, <laughs> an issue ever was just exactly that. Yeah. Some completely blitzed out dude right. who like, you know, <laughs> and then they throw a, you know, a, a, a glass pitcher at you or something, you know, and... You know, <laughs> so that actually happened one time, and Mark really? jumped into the audience, and Mark was so big, he was like, he picked the guy up over his head <laughs> and did a three three spins and threw the guy, and then Bruno, a famous door guy from Portland, went over, walked over, grabbed the guy by the back of the, the scruff, and then pulled him outside, you know? I'm just like, yeah, that's right. Now, you know, and of course, I'm the 120-pound, you know, skinny string bean at the time. <laughs> I used to promote concerts in Baltimore. We had uh-huh. a, we took over an old theater, you know, that yeah, whole yeah. story. And that was back in the 70s. And right. I, as my security guy, I hired this guy who was a sweetheart. Yeah. It couldn't have been a nicer guy on earth, yes. but he was big. Right. He was big. Yeah. And he would end up not having to throttle somebody. Yeah. But they would he would That's... he would end up walking him outside with his arm around him. There is was... <laughs> That was ninety nine point nine percent of the times that that's that's how things would end, you know. Ninety nine percent of the time, because his name was Tex. Tex, exactly. And he of course, had, his name was Tex. He, he owned yeah. a. You know, remember when Checker made cars? The Checker, I, the old Checker cabs. They I also, remember the they Checker also, cab. They, they yeah. put they put out. They had cars. I didn't know that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. And and he had a and he had this big old Checker car, and he was a big old guy too, yeah. and he had on the front. Had the checkered demon because that was mm. a that was a, a a hippie cartoon at that time. I see. It was the checkered demon. The checkered demon. Check that's text. it. Yeah, Jeez. that's cool. He and I used to play air hockey in the middle of the afternoon. <laughs> Just get all fucked up. Yeah. And go play air hockey for hours. <laughs> we end up like totally bruised hands. And oh yeah. Exhausted. It was great. Was uh. a great guy. <laughs> Here's to you, Tex and, yeah, really. and Mark. I miss Mark And his so birthday much. was on the day that Nixon resigned. I'll never forget that. Oh, wow. <laughs> was, which was only the, like the day before my birthday. Right, right. You know, so I'm like, oh, man, you landed that. <laughs> you couldn't have waited another day. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> well, listen, man, it's great to see you, and it's great Super to have great you come to- in. And uh, best of luck with this and the foundation. Thank you again. Oh, for yeah. all you, everything you do. Thank you, Tom. And yeah. uh, I hope you get more time to play to, to play music. Thank you. I'm I'm you know, I will say that the pandemic was also a big deal for yeah. everybody, right? Yeah. You know, so I had it's so crazy because I had Uber drove for 
two straight years and was keeping the foundation going. And it was January 1st of 2020. And I bought a little Prius car uh-huh. because they get 50 miles to the gallon. Yeah. And I had just spent three years of doing um, at least once a month, not if not twice a month, two, three, four day runs out at the uh, Adrift Hotel yeah. on the coast. And, um, and I just... Uh, Worked up a hundred original songs by memory and all this stuff was happening and I was playing and the whole intention was to use that 50 mile an hour or 50, you know, miles to the gallon yeah. car yeah. and get start doing some satellite shows around the region yeah. and stuff. And then um, I went to D.C. for a foundation st- uh, musicians healthcare summit. First uh-huh. one that ever happened. I got yeah. to speak at it wow. in D.C. and I got home on March 6th or 9th and then. By March 14th, the, the the bottom fell out of the world music community. Yes, and and then we've been been basically in it and trying to recover. So come and recover with us. Yes, at the next waltz at the right. Alberta Rose Theater, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, right after Thanksgiving, November 25, 26, 27th. Yeah, come rock out with us. Okay, so we're gonna go out on that song about Greta, and what's it called? It's called Into the Wild. All right. And as we like to end these things by saying, that's entertainment. (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Into the wild, down to the bone. Greta Thunberg. You're not alone Not alone In your frustration Not alone In your amazement You're not alone To the wild, follow your heart. There is a future, and you play a part. Not alone, speak truth to power. alone in this crucial hour 
Do you want?